Hello and welcome to Podcast by Brodies. My name's David Lee and in this series we take an in-depth look at some common and not so common questions and scenarios Brodies lawyers have faced over the years. In each episode we talk to Brodies experts to hear their insights and experiences and how they find the right approach when they're asked the deceptively simple question, what do I do if? Our current focus is on health and safety and land and rural business. And I'm joined for this episode by Kate Donachie, Managing Associate, and Jennifer Stevenson, a Senior Associate, both with Brodies. And we're asking a very specific question, but a very real one for farmers and landowners. What do I do if someone is injured by my livestock? So welcome, Kate and Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, first of all, in this context, what do we actually mean, very simply, by livestock? So this has changed very recently. Um, The definition of livestock used to mean cattle, and that would include bulls, cows, heifers and calves, um, as well as you'd expect sheep, goats, pigs, horses or poultry. But now, um, following the introduction of the Dogs Protection of Livestock Scotland Act, which just came into force in November 2021, the definition has been extended to also include things like alpacas, llamas, buffalo, ostriches, farmed deer and also enclosed game birds, as well as all the other previous categories um, that we had under livestock. Okay, so that new category now takes in llama dramas as well as uh, everything else that you've talked about. So, Kate, how common is it for livestock to injure people? Um, I think in the first place, it's worth saying after establishing that really quite expansive definition of livestock, the vast majority, if not all, um, deaths by livestock are actually caused by cattle, cattle and buffalo. Um, Regardless, fatal injuries are thankfully quite rare. Um, The HSE publishes a report of deaths um, in rural businesses and agriculture every year. And for 2020-21, there were 11 people killed by cows and buffalo. So in the last year for records, we have records, um, 11 people. It's the second biggest cause of fatal accidents, just to sort of put it in perspective. Um, the, the biggest cause of fatal accidents in the rural sector is people being killed by moving vehicles. Um, and 13 people were killed last year in accidents involving moving vehicles against the 11 who were killed by livestock. Um, and taking a wider um, lens over the last five years, 19% of deaths in the sector have been um, animal attacks, um, whereas 30% of deaths were due to moving vehicles. Um, so it's, it's fairly significant in terms of, in terms of what, what does cause fatal accidents. And are those figures related to Scotland or is that UK-wide, Kate? That's UK-wide. Um, and also those figures relate to all people who are killed by livestock. And, you know, the majority will be people who are working um, in the sector. Um, I think the HSE did a bigger study um, about four years, covering four years between 2015 to 2020. Um, and of 142 incidents, 22 were fatal. Um, and four of those 22 deaths were people of who are members of the public, so just people who are walking over the land. Um, so hopefully that gives you a feel for for what the risks are. Yeah, and ov- obviously, you know, it's not just the, the public we're talking about. It's obviously 
extremely distressing for you know the people involved as well so you know we're talking about the owners of the livestock as well um really stressful for them dealing with the the fallout of an accident on their farm and um and Kate will explain after this you know about um how they how they deal with that but I think the the kind of final point on the commonality of instances of injury on farms is that um, we're not just talking about bulls. Um, I think that's quite a common misconception with the public that bulls are more dangerous than cows. Um, but the reality is that more people have been killed in Britain by cows than bulls. OK. And can you give some specific examples, Jennifer, and, and, and how this might happen? What tend to be the circumstances? We've touched on this a little bit, but what tend to be the circumstances where these uh, you know, injuries by livestock might happen? So a cow protecting their calf could perceive a walker or runner dog walker as a threat and try to put distance between themselves and the calf. So how they do that is they kind of charge the person back um, in order to protect their young to to try and get that, that distance between the two. It is an entirely natural mothering instinct for cattle to do that um, when they've got a calf at foot or they've, you know, they've just uh, calved. In a serious example, a cow or herd of cows could trample a person to injury or death. And, you know, some specific examples of that is that in 2020, there was a teacher from North Yorkshire who was killed by a herd of cows in this field. He was out walking dogs in a field and he was killed um, by the herd. There was also a group of people attacked elsewhere in Yorkshire the same year and an 82 year old lady was knocked to the ground and trampled and her dog was killed. And Kate, I believe that there was another serious incident uh, closer to home, uh, actually in the Pentlands, in uh, just outside Edinburgh. That's right. Um, in 2020, during lockdown, there were actually a few incidents um, near Edinburgh. I think um, the one you might have in mind was a man who was, I think, pinned to the ground by a cow who kneeled on him um, and struck him with its head several times. And I think that story really surprised people because they just didn't think that cows a cow, especially as Jennifer said, rather than a bull, would attack them in, in that serious way. So even where it, the instance not fatal, um, it can still be a really serious injury and obviously a very shocking experience for someone. Mm. So we've established here it's not it's not that common, but it does happen. It can be very serious. It can at times be fatal. So from a farmer landowner's point of view, Kate, if someone is injured by livestock on your land, What should you do? Well, the first thing to do, the most important thing, is to make the situation safe. Um, And that might involve removing the livestock um, from the scene or it might involve removing the person who's been injured um, and then to seek medical care. So that's obviously the first thing that you you should do. Um, But once those immediate issues have been resolved, you should contact your insurer to let them know that this has happened. Um, Even if it doesn't seem like there's going to be a claim or any further action, um, if you don't tell your insurance company about something, um, some policies um, have wording, which means you won't have any cover if something does come in um, down the line. So it's important that these things are reported, as I say, even where you might not think anything more will come of it. If the police or the HSE want to investigate, which is not unlikely if someone's seriously harmed, it's really important that you obtain legal advice. Um, although the authorities, um, their powers they have to investigate are really quite wide ranging, they're not entirely unlimited. And it's important to know what you are and aren't compelled to do. And it's also key that the situation, 
within your operation is communicated clearly and accurately to the investigators because the decision about what to do will be coloured by the general um, culture um, within the business. So accidents do happen, but the HSE's um, decision and the difference between a prosecution and no action being taken is really the HSE being satisfied that the operation is well run um, and that health and safety is given prominence um, uh, within the activities. So for those reasons, I think it is important that um, legal advice is secured as, as soon as possible so that you can be supported on the ground. And uh, what if something does happen, Kate, what is your liability as a landowner? Yeah, well, the worst case scenario is that you would be prosecuted for a criminal offence for a breach of um, your health and safety duties and you could go to prison, you could face a, a fine and the fine is calculated with reference to the business's turnover, not profits, turnover. Um, and so that could be quite uh, punitive. Um, you could also be sued for damages. Now, in, in terms of a claim for damages, you would hope that your insurance policy would cover that. But insurance will not cover you for the cost of a fine. And obviously, insurance is not going to protect you from a prison sentence. And so the um, accident that Jennifer mentioned, where the the, the um, man was killed following an attack by cattle, the farmer was sentenced for that um, in February 2022. And he was sentenced to 12 months in prison. Um, for that offence. Now, it was suspended, so he didn't actually go to prison. He was fined less than £1,000, had to pay court costs of around £7,000. Um, but the court there said he should have had warning signs alerting walkers to the fact that there were cows in the field and there was a risk, um, and actually that he should, in fact, have fenced off the cows. So that was, that was a duty on him to do something positive. But I think it just underlines how serious the consequences can be if something happens. Okay, and Kate's just touched on a bit of this, Jennifer, but what can you do to actually reduce those risks to ensure that this kind of incident doesn't happen in the first place? Yeah, there's a number of ways that um, a farmer can try and reduce the risks. They should try to use fields that are not likely to be used by the public when they have cattle calving or cows with calves at foot. In situations where they have no other option to have cattle in fields where the public tend to walk through, they should be erecting signage and have that on their gates and fencing. And they should try to keep the signs time limited and fresh so that people know that the information is up to date. Um, Enclosures should be secure and gates should be um, almost a double, um, you know, they should have them pinned and, and chains on to make sure that the cattle themselves can't open them and also children couldn't open them either. Um, they should assess the risks on a continual basis, so they should be checking livestock um, every day um, and, uh, you know, just uh, keep, you know, keep a close eye on, on their stock in the fields. Another good thing to do would be to post a message on a community social media page um, and that would be to inform the walkers run, and runners of particularly sensitive times such as lambing or calving and that's just a really great way to, to kind of spread the word in the community about what's happening. You should also clearly mark alternative paths and avoid areas during particularly sensitive times. They should also take care to make sure that signs are not misleading. They shouldn't use wording like dangerous or threatening um, animals because the reasoning there is obviously if they know that the, the livestock is dangerous, um, then it shouldn't be kept in the field where there is a 
possibility that the, the public would have access there. There are some breeds of cattle that the health and safety executive have said that you just shouldn't keep in a in a field or enclosure where the public rights the public have rights of way. So those breeds are particularly um, bulls have recognised dairy breeds. Um, they're they're banned by the health and safety executive. So they're not to be kept in any fields where public rights of way, statutory or the other types of permitted access, including core paths. It's really quite an onerous responsibility on a landowner to structure their arrangements and stock in order to protect the public. I think following simple steps, most of which can be actioned from a smartphone, and you can document evidence by taking a picture or video to record these steps taken, and that just raises awareness that you should be assisting with reducing risk of injury to the public. Okay, and what you've just said there, Jennifer, just a a follow-up question. It is quite onerous. It's quite a lot for farmers and landowners with busy lives to think about all of this is is your experience generally that farmers and landowners do take the responsibilities very seriously and do follow these steps broadly speaking yeah i i think most people are aware of um that the, the need to have signs up um particularly during calving and, and lambing and i think we'll we'll come back to that later Okay. Um, And what about the principle of right to roam in in Scotland, Jennifer? We hear a lot about that. Are there, you know, any areas where the public can't go across fields or how does how does right to roam fit into this uh, this complex area? So I think that term is a little deceptive because what we actually have in Scotland is a right of responsible public access. So the idea of roaming around conjures up this picture of somebody wandering along unhindered. But the reality is that if there is no alternative route other than crossing a field with farm animals, a safe distance should be kept and the livestock should be watched very carefully. The the right to roam ideal does perhaps give walkers more confidence to take an alternative route off their own back. But as I've said, these rights only are given with the responsibility and these are set out in the Scottish Outdoor Access Code. So the owner of livestock has a difficult term of both ensuring that animals do not pose a risk to the public whilst at the same time not taking any actions which impede public access across its land. And a landowner cannot use the presence of animals to deter public access rights. Rather, if a farmer considers that an animal or animals pose a risk to the public, then steps should be taken to place those animals away from public access. Okay, and you touched before on sensitive times of year like calving and lambing. Can farmers and landowners restrict access to fields or other areas at these times? So any request you're going to make of the public has to be reasonable, practical and appropriate for the type of operation and level of risk involved. The Scottish Outdoor Access Code says that you can take precautions such as asking people to avoid using a particular route or area or asking them not to undertake a particular activity. So that So, for example, with calving and lambing, the sign would need to say between X and Y dates, either sheep are lambing in this field or the field is being used for young animals. Then you could set out the particular hazard being that 
parent animals can be aggressive when protecting their young and it would then be proportionate to say please use another route where possible or do not take dogs into this field and the code advising people not to take dogs into fields where there are young animals present. There are downloadable signs to this effect ready to print out from the Outdoor Access Scotland website. Okay and and finally Jennifer before we uh, go back to Kate um it's a balance of rights and responsibilities, as you've outlined, between the landowner and the public who are going across their land. How do you think that balance is working? Do you think um, you've talked about farmers, landowners? How do you think, you know, the public, people are walking through land, do they understand the potential dangers well enough? And is there more that can be done to transmit that? I, I think it is a difficult one because we've got um, so much awareness about kind of well-being. We know that we need to get out and exercise and, um, you know, it's good for your for your mental health and everything to, to get out and about. And certainly with um, a lots of kind of stay at home holidays, there's lots of people coming to the countryside that, um, you know, that that perhaps didn't before. So I think we definitely need to raise awareness with um with the public on um the, the dangers as well i am um, it is a difficult balance to strike and I, and i also think it it does put a lot of pressure on farmers and landowners as well because um they really don't know um who's coming you know there might be tourists they might you know not be aware of um the risks um or, you know they they just have no idea who who could stumble upon their field um so they they really have to to exercise an awful lot of caution um and just presume that um the public don't know anything about their livestock um and and don't know anything about um you know the particular risks so the the kind of onus really is on them to to make sure that people are aware um so yeah signs are the best way to do that i think that there is a, a a place here for some public education as well. As Jennifer said, we maybe have more people in the countryside or more people who are less used to the risks and also the responsibilities of being in the countryside. You know, it, dogs are an issue. So people walking dogs tend to be involved in something like 90% of these incidents where people are attacked by livestock. They've had a dog with them. Um, and we know from issues farmers have with sheep worrying that the, the animals can be injured and sometimes really badly injured by dogs' behaviour um, when they're coming into contact with these animals. So I think that there probably does need to be a better public education. You know, you, you have you have the right to cross land in order to, to walk in Scotland, but you do, as Jennifer said, have responsibilities attached to that right. And I suppose it's important that people understand what that means in practice. Okay, thank you, Kate. And, and then in summary, Kate, we have heard throughout this podcast that the onus is very much on uh, on the farmer and landowner and and Jennifer indeed described it as quite onerous to actually you know take all these responsibilities on so what's your main advice to someone who does have livestock in terms of reducing the risks and acting swiftly and appropriately if an incident does happen yeah sure i agree with jennifer is it is quite an onerous duty on landowners. I think the key thing is to be aware in the first place that there's a risk, you know, that the risk of public being harmed um, by animals is there um, and it's it's sufficiently um, significant that it needs action. 
but also that it, that landowners are obliged to take steps which might seem unfair. Um, you know, if, if you're being asked to restructure your, your livestock um, so they're being moved to a different part of the farm, it might make your days longer um, and more difficult to tend to the animals. In some occasions, people have been told to, to put extra fencing up, and that's obviously expensive. It also restricts um, movement um, of animals in farms. So I think it needs to be recognised that this is, it is a duty and it is onerous, and what will be required can seem quite unfair or, or maybe over the top um, in some instances. Um, but there needs to be real thought given to the risk. So landowners do need to be giving it serious thought to try and predict where people will come from and how they will behave um, when they're on the land. And there needs to be that um, constant work of checking that the fences that are there are still intact, that gates can't be opened by animals because that can happen. Um, and so I think that it might require a change in the way some things are done on some farms for some farmers. Um, in terms of what do we do if it happens, another important thing is to make changes when you do have an incident. So you might have a near miss or you might have an injury um, and, and there might be no action by the police or the HSE. But if it happens again, it's far less likely that there will be no action. And so um, the farmer who was convicted earlier this year had been told on several occasions to essentially to get things in order um, after previous attacks and he hadn't done that and he had no good reason for not doing that. So learning from previous incidents or previous mistakes um, is also really important in thinking about how things have happened in the past, how they can be prevented in the future. Um, but in terms of in the immediate um, aftermath of something, as I said, getting people to safety, um, getting the animals to safety um, and then um, just taking care with any investigation by the police or the HSE that they have all the information and they have the most accurate picture of the business um, so that you can persuade the authorities that this is a business that's well run and that takes health and safety seriously. OK, thank you very much indeed, Kate. And thank you, Jennifer, for your insights today. Uh, listen out for other episodes of What Do I Do If? Uh, there are six in this series covering health and safety and land and rural business, and they cover a wide range of very relevant issues to landowners. This series is brought to you by Podcast by Brodies, where some of the country's leading lawyers and sometimes special guests share their enlightened thinking about issues and developments in the legal sector and their impact on the wider society and the economy. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to Podcast by Brodies, which is available on all your main podcast platforms. And for more information and insights, please visit www.brodies.com.